Welcome to The People's Show with Bick Nazar and Randeep Janda. Welcome to The People Show, a show for the people, by the people, live from the Audlin Brown van open in beautiful West Vancouver. Join the conversation, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. The smart alternative, visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. I'm your host, Randy Jenda, new guest host today. Fellow Gooner, fellow Arsenal fan is real fair. It's nice to have a co-host. That just understands the good things with in taste. life. With taste. With taste. With very good taste at that. Yes. How's yes. it going, Izzy? Good, man. It's great to be here. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a fun event. Um, it's, a, it's a great setup down here. and We'll, we'll get to our, our regular, the, the regular co-host and host of this show, Bic Nazar, who's, who's actually on the premises. I believe he's lurking. He's around. Uh, he's not working officially on the show, but he is around uh, taking in the tennis. Um, yeah, great tournament this year. Yep. A lot of big names. Um, quite a bit of Canadian content as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll get to that throughout today's show along with uh, some of the other stuff going on in the world of sports. No, this is the largest and most celebrated tennis tournament in Western Canada. It's ha- We're happy to be here. I'm a, I'm somebody that hits up this tournament normally as a fan as well. I brought my dad here a couple of years ago before a two-year hiatus mm-hmm. uh, due to COVID, of course. But there is something new with this tournament. It's upgraded to an APT cha- uh, ATP Challenger Tour 125 on the men's side and a WTA 125 event, which means more prize money, which means more points for people that do end up, you know, doing well at this tournament. So there's a benefit, obviously, for people that are coming here. We're looking out right now. This has got to be the best view of any sports venue in the city. <laughs> like, legitimately, we're looking at downtown Vancouver. We're here at the restaurant, and we're seeing – Three courts right in front of us, and downtown Vancouver. It's beautiful, so if you've gotten yourself a ticket, come down here. Uh, Opening ceremonies are a little bit later on today, and playing today, pretty star-studded. As you mentioned, there is Canadian content, but there are star content as well. Fernando Verdasco, former number seven in the world, is going to be taking the court shortly. you got Jeannie Bouchard, who's playing at 215 against Ariane Hartano. Mm -hmm. You've got Vashik Pospisil versus uh, Philippe. Melgini Alves from Brazil, and Rebecca Marino later on tonight. So you've got Canadian content, but a lot of names that you've heard before. And when we talk about the upgrade to an ATP event, ATP 125 and a WTA 125, that's what we're talking about. So, you know, going back, other players that have played here, we talked about Marino, Milos Raonic, yep. Maria Sharapova won this event, Andy Murray. So you're not only seeing established pros right now, like some of the ones we're going to see on the court very soon here and we're seeing right now, you're also seeing stars of the future. People that you'll probably see. Layla Fernandez played here, another young Canadian player. So, you know, one of the best events to be at, one of the the best venues. So if you're down here, and we're going to we're gonna rib Bick a little bit because... <laughs> it who, doesn't take much. Who takes a couple of weeks off work and shows up to a work venue? But... If he had to pick any sports event to come to right now, pretty good choice. Where, where work was going on, I think the Odd Brown Van Open is up there. Yeah, I mean, prior to the pandemic, uh, the event was really building up in hype and popularity, and people were were, were marking it as part of a, a you know summer event, a reason to come out and watch tennis. And uh, I'm curious to hear you know, the pandemic obviously affected the sports world across the world, 
But uh, specifically here at this tournament, as you re- mentioned, Randeep, that you know they've they've been able to upgrade the qualifications on the tournament, mm-hmm. um, and, and that can only help sustain the event long term. And it's it's great it's great to have it back. And it is truly uh, you know there <laughs> there are very few places I think that we could even just imagine uh, doing a remote from that, that beat this view and that that beat this environment. No, this is an amazing live on location uh, you know setup here as well. And as we're actually sitting here, Gilles Simon. Uh, who's been uh, a tennis pro for many years? He's seated as well in the past. He is taking, um, he is on the court right now playing as well in, in a pretty good match against a qualifier. So mm-hmm. we'll see if Simon ends up going through. But I did mention Jeannie Bouchard a little bit earlier, yep. and she's coming back after 17 months due to uh, a shoulder injury and surgery. And that's kind of the headliner here right now where you've got some. Great players, you know. Rebecca Marino's done great things. We see, you know, some of those names that I mentioned as well, accomplished and on the way up in other cases. But Jeannie Bouchard plays a doubles match a couple of nights ago, ends up winning. Now, in the singles game, this is a name that, you know, 2014 was a heck of a year for her. Yeah, she, she was in a final. She made a couple of semis for the Grand Slam as well. She was in the Wimbledon final that year. Mm-hmm. But as we know, it's been ups and downs with more downs over the last four or five years. So. This is a, a really interesting part of her career where you're coming back from injury. It's the first major surgery she's had. What does she look like? And I think for a Vancouver audience, a Vancouver fan base here in tennis, it, you're going to be able to see. It, it, she's even said it herself in the media availability yesterday that the bar is quite low. You just want to see what you can do after a 17-month layoff. Totally. And look, she still remains a very popular player and the, uh, a player that, gets interest not just in this country but certainly in canada uh, but across the tennis world so there are going to be people paying attention to this tournament to, to see exactly what you said randy how she look how, how is her game i mean um pretty significant injuries to overcome uh even going back to you know the, the u.s open and, and the, the 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 head injury uh that that's been yep. causing a, a lot of inconsistency in her game i think and so for her someone who reach those heights in the professional game quite early on to, to regain that, to rebuild your game. Um, it's from the outside interesting to watch and to see, uh, because clearly um, if you follow her on social media, you see that there's been a lot of training going mm-hmm. on as well. And tennis is such a, a unique sport that way where you are obviously playing by yourself for the most part. If you're in singles, you're playing one-on-one. But there are so many little elements and aspects of the game that if they slip, so let's say your, your backhand's not quite that good, a, a, an opponent can absolutely target that weakness. Yep. And then it doesn't matter pretty much if you're thriving in all other aspects of your game. But you also need to have your strengths uh, that, that you can use to target the other opponent. So with a player like that who's hasn't played a ton, uh, has struggled with these injuries, to get back and to try to put all of those things together is difficult. But when when it's done, you as a someone in the audience, as a fan, you're watching. You you have to be impressed. So I, yeah, it'll be it'll definitely be a topic of conversation once she gets out there playing singles matches, and, and we get to see what that game looks like. Absolutely. So if you have a ticket, get down here like Bick and make sure that you're in the audience, and make sure <laughs> that you grab a, a grab a seat because this is going to be a fun fun tournament, and uh, we're happy to be partnered with it here. If at you want to be like if you want to be like Bick, uh, you got to bring a wet towel. Because it, it, it's getting a little hot down there. From, from our vantage point, is that what you're saying? Bick, you know, follically challenged. <laughs> it, it appears that he's he's rocking a, his black hat that he likes to wear, his Jay Z hat. Okay. And uh, you know, a wet towel on on the, on the dome. So we've got a great view of 
the city of Vancouver. We've got a great view of the courts, and we've got a great view of the audience as well. And Izzy, I haven't even seen Bick yet, but you've scoped him out a couple of times. Yeah. So there you go. We're watching. Um, I haven't seen him since Manchester United lost. Uh, so I don't know what kind of shape <laughs> I he's think, in. I think there's a reason for that. <laughs> exactly. I texted him a couple of times. He seems to be doing okay, I guess. But uh, <laughs> that is, uh, and we're going to keep you updated as well. Jeannie Bouchard expected to take the court around 2.15, and we'll keep you posted on what happens here at the Audlin Brown Van Open. We're going to have a, a guest here, the tournament director and 2006 champion as well, Rick DeVost, will be joining us in the third hour of the show, so looking forward to that. But we got a lot in store. We're going to talk NFL with Vincent Verhey, Football Outsiders, and we are also going to be talking some Mariners. Yes, the Seattle Mariners are doing it, folks. They're playing very good baseball right now, and now they have the top wild card spot in the american league is that scaring a lot of blue jays fans i think it should be <laughs> and the the mariners have the head-to-head they have the head-to-head as well so a little bit scary a little scary for the blue jays uh, we're going to talk about that and much much more including turf trivia for your chance to join in on the people show fantasy football league and we're going to be giving away some vancouver canadians tickets and don't at me as well but when to talk about this it's our Daily JT Miller update, folks. As we know, we mentioned this yesterday. Rick Jolly, while talking to Brian Bartlett, mm-hmm. and uh, the agent for JT Miller said that Canucks and JT Miller haven't talked contracts since the NHL draft. There's also another quote I'm going to paraphrase here, but you know, it's always a possibility that you cut off contract talks once the season starts or once training camp starts or whatever it may be. What does this tell us about the situation? Is this a strictly a leverage play? Or, you know, we've seen other players, we've seen other agents say, focus on the season. The fact that they haven't talked. Let's start with the the fact that they haven't talked since the NHL draft. It's a little while now. Mm-hmm. Should Does that tell us that it's done? Or does it tell us that, hey, they just needed a, a bit of a break? I would lean break and the NHL business world kind of shuts down at this time of year. And yes, the New York Islanders are, are apparently doing their best to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to put a, a freeze on it, if you will, as we're sort of expecting Nazem Kadri to end up there and they're going to have to make some moves to make that work. But that's also part of the reason that that hasn't happened yet. The It's been, look, you, you think about what we were doing two years ago at this time. We're talking Vancouver Canucks playoff hockey yeah. in August. So, the last two calendar years in the NHL have been pretty wild. And this is the first off season since 2019, really, that we're going to get a, a normal off season for these guys. And I, I think they're, they're taking advantage of that to, for the most part. And everything that we've heard about Miller is that they're not close. So it's not like if they were going to grind out a contract right now in the middle of August, that they would be that they would be going through the details. It does seem to me that probably toward the end of the month, the beginning of September, they'll come back to the table. Miller and his camp will have their ask of gears and term, and the Canucks will either budge and, and move toward that or see if they can compromise. Or we're probably looking at training camp where we're going to most than like, and this is what I would bet on, yep. more than likely we're going to hear what we've heard from Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin that they would like to keep JT Miller but they want to do it on their terms. The numbers can't be out of whack. And right now, they're not there yet. And that's that's kind of that's kind of what we're that's kind of what we're waiting on. I think with you know if you're a Canucks fan and you hear that they haven't talked since the NHL draft, yeah, part of you is probably a little paranoid to say, okay, what's going on here? But the other side is, I don't mind that. I actually like hearing that. And the reason I 
say that is you're not necessarily in a rush, right? We know that the contract, and I know I've said this as well, the trade deadline, you don't want that. You don't want to take that risk heading into the season. But you don't also want to be desperate here either. If you want to keep the player, which is a big if, you know, I'm of the opinion that at this point in time in his career, you try to maximize what you can get for the player because that long-term contract to me, I think you want to stay away from it. A couple of reasons. I love that he put up 99 points, but at the same time, that's a regression candidate if we've ever seen one. <laughs> yeah. we, we talked about this yesterday on the show, hit up the podcast, Josh and I did, mm-hmm. and it's going to be, can he get 80? Can he be a point-per-game player? For sure, but the price right now, or the stock is so high. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's as high as it's probably going to be. Exactly. So I'm not saying he's going to turn into a 50-point player. No. And the thing is, if he does, let's say he goes and he doesn't sign a contract and he has another 90-point season next year. Can't afford him anyways. He's going to, yeah, he's going to be in that guaranteed 9-9 nine, nine zone because yep. that would be four straight seasons where he's been incredibly productive with two seasons where he's been well above a point per game. So in that, circling back to the NHL draft and, and all of that, and they haven't talked, See, that doesn't worry me in the sense that because if you know what your price is, if you know what your conditions are, there's no desperation from the Canucks. You have a pretty decent scenario in where if the price is met, you're happy to do the deal, whatever that total number is. We can speculate whether it's 40, 42, 45, whatever, that range. Now, the other thing is, if it isn't met, you know what you have to do. And I think that deadline is going to be something that's important to both sides. And the agent can say, hey, we're going to cut off talks potentially it's a you know it could happen it's a you know it could be a possibility as i believe the way he said it to rick dollywall absolutely but that's also leverage that the team has as well to say all right fine then we know what we need to have to do the problem i have is can you start the season with the player on your team which is fine you can do that he's a damn good player yep but I, I don't know if this team is ready if this organization is ready to make that call at the deadline and, and to me I think you want to avoid that at all costs because I don't know if this organization is in a position to pull off a deal like that. They haven't done it before. Mm -hmm. And we know once you start seeing dollar signs when it comes to playoff dates, decisions can change. So are they resolute in that thinking is the question I have. I'm not so sure because I've never seen it from this organization. You know what that means. It generally starts with ownership. Yes, for sure. And that is the big question because it's very easy for teams. We see this. In other sports too, where you know baseball teams will will hang on to their veterans and go, well, we'll, we'll see what happens here. We might be able to get some prospects for them. And you get to that deadline, and you're kind of in it, but not really. Are you going to pull the trigger? Are you really going to move a highly paid player, a productive player, because your team's not quite ready to make that push? And the his, history shows, not just in Vancouver but elsewhere that it is difficult to make that call. And I also think the other part of this, when you talk about going to training camp, is, okay, what kind of role is this player going to have on this team? We, we heard a lot from Bruce Boudreaux about the leadership qualities of JT mm-hmm. Miller, it, what he meant to that group. And we saw it when he got traded here in the first season that he played with the Canucks, the kind of impact that he had. Even the really you know, horrible um, shortened year, the Canadian division year, the Canucks were bad. He was pretty productive, but there were a lot of you know eye test things that yep. didn't go his way. But he still, in a lot of ways, defined that team. When he was bad, the team was bad. When he's playing well, the team plays pretty well. He's very much a litmus test for this team. What does that mean for a guy who's going to show up to camp, 
doesn't have that contract yet. It's different than Bo Horvat. We keep hearing the Bo Horvat thing will get settled. Both both parties want to commit. This is a very different situation. What kind of play and player are we are they going to get? And the kind of guy that's going to be able to put himself in that position in that room. Well, in the leadership importance that we've heard, Boudreaux, and I mean it's, it's part of the reason that Rutherford and Alvin are still interested in keeping him around because they do value that, but it, yeah. it needs to make sense at the number and to start this season. A really important season for this team when you look at Vegas doesn't have a goalie right now. Yep. The Flames, you know what, they salvaged that situation, but they they should probably be, you know, talk about regression, they, they, they're probably in a position to regress a little bit. I know people are really high on the Oilers, but we've we got to see them put it together for a full season and play play consistently. They went from being top of the league in December, and then they had six weeks where they were pretty poor, and they end up getting there. There's an opportunity for a Canucks team that has a goalie and that has what should be a good top six, but the role that the Miller plays is obviously huge, and it's part of the reason that we spend so much time. We no, spend so much time talking about it this it summer. It is, and we got this text uh, before we started talking JT Miller, a uh, pretty awesome one actually. What would Jeannie Bouchard? What would a Jeannie Bouchard win mean for JT Miller? <laughs> Alistair and Clearwater trying to link it back as we were talking Jeannie Bouchard. But you talked about the Pacific Division, and there are some gaps, some serious gaps on those teams. Vegas, we know, Robin Lehner, and they lost some offense with Max Pacioretty as well in that lineup. So there's some questions. Yeah. I don't think their stock has fallen that much because we haven't necessarily seen Jack Eichel at his best in Vegas. No, we're close to that. And Mark Stone, it's been a while since we saw him at his best. They will be stronger this year. And if they stay healthy, that team is still a problem. Could have one of the better first lines in the league if they pan out and if they play the way we think they can. However, there is a gap there because they don't have that goaltender that, you know, a couple of years ago. Remember when he played with Chicago? That team was trash. He was the only good thing about it. Mm -hmm. It could have been a lot worse if Robin Leonard wasn't their goalie. Now, other areas, yeah, the Flames, if at best, at best, you can say they haven't budged. In the sense that they picked up a top two or three playmaker in the NHL, 115-point guy like Goudreau, but they lost Kachuk. Where are you going to get those points? Where are you going to get those goals? So at best, if you want to be really optimistic about Mackenzie Wieger, you can say neutral, but that's even a tough, tough call. It's going to be tough for the Canucks to make that decision, and this is why Rutherford and Alvin have one heck of a job in front of them. You talked about when this team won, he played well. He had 73 points of his 99 in 40 Canucks wins. Yeah. So when he played good, it generally meant a W. Mm-hmm. 73 points in 40, 40 games. That's that's what we're talking about in wins. In losses, 13 points in 11, sorry, uh, 13 points in 29 games. Yeah. So that does speak to the level of importance that he has. So now if you see that gap in the Pacific Division, the question I have for you, Canucks fans, 650-650 in the Dunbar Lumber text line, does it make that decision of yay or nay with JT Miller? And I'm not talking about extension specifically. I'm just saying about a move that much tougher. Because you know at some point that's exactly what ownership and upper management is going to be thinking as well. What are we without this guy if we even consider making a move? Yes, and what, what's our ceiling with him? Are we good enough? Yeah. Do we have the assets to build around? Because we'll still be talking about is this blue line good enough? And yes, you know, the Tyler Myers conversation eventually will end because his contract will run out or mm. maybe he gets moved. We know, you know what you have in Quinn Hughes. You feel pretty good about someone like Luke Shen playing with him and figuring that out. 
but f- figuring out the rest of it is a huge conversation. I mean, because you talk about Wegar at Calgary, you look at their blue line and the pieces that they have. They've got three, four, five other guys yep. that you feel really good about. The Canucks don't have that. And if you're going to make that commitment to JT Miller, and that's the, the stats that you just pulled up really illustrate that. And, and a lot of those games, you know, those were games down the stretch where they were making a bit of a run, people were getting excited, where he put the team on his back. And he'd have multi-point games, or he would have huge goals or huge plays in the third period. That's the kind of stuff that people remember. That's the kind of stuff the front office's value. But to what extent? Minor Matt in Abbotsford coming in with this, 650-650. What are they with this guy? Almost good enough for the playoffs. Yippee. Valid point. They didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> and and listening to that Drop in the Gloves podcast with JT Miller and John Scott, a lot of focus was given to the first 25 games of the year. Absolutely. We watched it. We saw Oof. it. It was an absolute it was wreck. It was brutal. But at the same time, that's who you are. That's who you are. It's on your record. And that's what you have to avoid. Bill Parcells. It is, man. So until they change that, until they come back stronger, you know, and we can talk about the bubble year. Were they a playoff team in the bubble year? It History will tell us this they were. Yes. But before the shutdown. They were, were sliding. They? So... Your point about they're only strong as their weakest link, that's going to be something that I think obviously the management group is, has to look at and has to be in a position to say, all right, what are we? And what are we with them? What are we without them? And, you know, Marcus and Gibson's coming in with cup contender with JT, bottom feeder without, according to John Scott. <laughs> we got a uh, we got a tableside guest here. Uh, we're just giving a shout out here. We'll, no, we'll try to bring him on if we can. We'll, he we'll, we'll get him out of the bullpen later. He's, later he's on. straight relaxing but right now. The man himself, Bick Vacation Bick. Vacation Bick just looks happy, smiling, enjoying himself. We're gonna bring him in here in a second. Here he is, uh, Bick. What's, what's going on, man? What an event. How are you doing? I feel like to- I'm talking really, really loud, yeah, but I should be, be whispering. Yeah, right? you might be. Yeah, that's radio. There's matches going on. How's the uh, How's the event going? Oh man, fantastic match on uh, Polygon Court there, where Simon won- winning in straight sets. Very good. Yeah, very good. Longtime pro, oh, seated yeah. back in the day as well. So struggle to uh, close it out, but nevertheless, it's a regular habit for him. But nevertheless, uh, walks out a victor. Okay, what's uh What's vacation big up to these days? We I feel like the people need to know. Straight chilling, man. Straight chilling. I'd. I'll come back later. We'll talk about it because I know you're kind of against the clock. We are against the clock. Look at this. <laughs> Look at this guy. He's on still vacation. a radio professional on, while on vacation. On vacation and still keeping an eye on the clock. That's right. Uh, Bick Nazar, uh, Marcus and Gibson's coming in, coming in with, does Bick know he's been catching strays all morning, apparently as well. So, Oh, really? Apparently. <laughs> you got to listen to the podcast. 10 days. Yeah. You got to listen to the podcast. All Eric right. Ten Hag. That's all we're going to say. <laughs> Don't worry. You come back later. We'll talk about Manchester United as well. Staycation Bick, as Marcus calls them. Uh, it is the People Show. We're going to talk to Vincent Verhey, Football Outsiders, coming up next. And, yes, the Seahawks, the quarterback battle. Will they be better than we think they are? Up next on the People Show. This is the People's Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Here's Bick Nazar and Randy Janda. Well, big voice guy is not lying. Bick Nazar is here. He's just not on air with us. <laughs> He's uh, scouring the grounds here at the Audley Brown Band. He's Open. our intrepid reporter for he the is. day. He's got kind of going in and out. He was, he was courtside for the, the Gilles Simon match. During his vacation. And I, I've That's done the, the commitment you know, that, that Bick brings to the table. There's kind of a, I think Carly Agro mentioned this on Twitter. She's like, 
during your vacation, Randeep, you're like Carmen Sandiego. Where in the world is yes. Car- you know Randeep Janda? Bick is like, where is Waldo? Just popping up in crowds. <laughs> like, pick I him out. It. I love it. Where is he? Uh, Twitter, get to work. You know what to ne- you need to do. You need to Photoshop Bick into to one of those where is Waldo memes. Uh, it is the People Show. Randeep Janda is a real fair of the athletic. And we're hanging out here at the Van Open, Audlin Brown Van Open. It's kind of quiet here. I'm not going to lie. So it, at moments, it just feels like we're, it's very serene. But then my voice just belts out. Yeah. And then we get dirty looks. Yeah. We start doing the radio thing. <laughs> <laughs> we really get the voice out there. But looking uh, looking forward to having uh, watching this People as well. People are enjoying themselves, though. They are, man. And this is you know still early, so there's a lot of folks that are at work. They're going to come later on. Uh, and you're going to have more people showing up a little bit later with the opening ceremonies. But uh, we'll keep you posted on what's going on here. Jeannie Bouchard hitting the court around 2.15. But let's talk some football with our guy from Football Outsiders, Vincent Verheit. Vincent, how are you? Very good. How are you folks doing today? We're doing well. We're actually just uh, watching some tennis live here on location, so enjoying ourselves. Uh, let's talk some football, though, and i got to say, i got to hit you on this early on. Russell Wilson in the NFL 100 is ranked at number 61. Uh, players vote on this. Players create this list. What are your thoughts on that? It feels like, is he getting disrespected here or has he fallen off? Uh, I, I don't put a ton of stock in the NFL 100. Uh, mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of personal vendettas that go into that vote. A lot of that the personal vendettas that go into that voting a lot. Um, I think people are overreacting to the fact that he missed, uh, you know, the, the, the games he missed due to injury for the first time in his career, and then it took him mm-hmm. a couple of the games to get back on track once he uh, once he did return. So, you know, do I, do I think there are 60 players in the NFL better than him? Probably not. Certainly not uh, when you consider how valuable quarterbacks are, but. You know, it's the NFL 100 is very volatile. Guys move up and down every year, and if he has a good year next year, he'll be in the top ten again. There's been so much talk about the, um, the Broncos' offense and just how much say Russell Wilson's going to have in, in, in the plays that they run and the, the kind of offense that they want to be. Uh, you mentioned the injuries that he had last year and, and how it took him a little bit of time to, to get his game back, though we did see uh, even late in the season, and then it was a lost season for the Seahawks, uh, the Russell Wilson that we've come to know over the last 10 years, uh, such a dynamic player. For you, once the season gets rolling, and for the, the Broncos in the regular season, it does start with a game against the Seahawks. What are you most interested in seeing from Russell Wilson and that Broncos offense? Well, mostly because... Uh... How different, um, you know, will things be? Uh, supposedly, every coach Russell, Russell Wilson has worked with has sort of tried to, to change him into a, from a boom and bust player into someone who will check down more often and take what the defense gives him. Um, and, and so far, that has not stuck. He's always a guy who wants the home run every swing, if you use a baseball term. Um, and no one's quite been able to get him. You know, he's. Never thrown to his running backs a lot. He's never thrown to his tight ends a lot. Um, so th- those are the kind of the, kind of the changes uh, that, that that Denver wants to see in him, and we'll see if they can actually get those changes to uh, to, to become real in reality. His former team's got a bit of a quarterback battle going here as well. Geno Smith, Drew Locke, and it feels like correct me if I'm wrong here that Pete Carroll loves his conservative quarterbacks. He loves efficiency, you know, risk averse. Is this Geno's job to lose? I think at this point he's the favorite for sure. Um, you know, he he does all those things. Uh, he, he checks down a lot, way more than you really want your quarterback to do. But he checks down a lot, um, and and you know Drew probably out outplayed him in the in you know preseason week one until that very last mistake. 
Yep. When uh, he he did not pick up the unblocked blitzer and had the you know had the fumble and you know that that will infuriate Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. So that he'll probably take the guy with maybe the uh, fewer peaks and valleys and more of the steady more of the steady ship. And right now it looks like that'll be Geno Smith. The expectations are understandably low uh, after moving off of Russell Wilson and, and, and coming off of a down year. Even with Russell Wilson last season, um, this year, regardless of what happens with the quarterbacks, uh, I, I think that there's there's a buy-in from the fan base to some degree about, okay, well, what about the other parts of, of the Seahawks? Uh, what can the defense look like? What might the offensive line look like? Um, there's obviously commitment from uh, the ownership group uh, in in the the GM and, and in Pete Carroll, the head coach. What do you expect from the other parts of Seattle's game, whether it is the, the defense or the offensive line? Or obviously, they still have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett at, at wide receiver, and they they've got some interesting options at running back as well. It seems like they, they yeah. could have not a Super Bowl quality team necessarily, but that they could have some strengths in other parts of their roster. Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, wide, you know, their weapons are certainly at least above average. Wide receiver, tight end, running back. They're, they have. Uh, I, I've lost track. Something like a dozen options of running back right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. two, two effective tight ends. Their top two wide receivers are as good as anybody else's top two. Now the drop off after those two is steep, <laughs> very very steep. But uh, like I say, there's 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 playoff teams that don't have that kind of talent at the at the so-called skill positions now will they be able to get anything done with the quarterbacks we have probably not um so that's you know kind of a waste uh on defense there's a lot to like about the defensive front uh especially the linebackers where they have suddenly put together a starting quartet of four young highly drafted players who have a lot of upside um you know daryl taylor and uh uh Sue could be a very strong uh bookend pass rush and Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks look like they're going to be a good inside pair. So um, those are the, uh, the, the building blocks. Those are the players you like to see do well in 2022 so they can maybe return to the playoffs around building around those players in 2023. Well, a player that the Seahawks could have drafted, Malik Willis, is somebody that uh, played last week on Thursday. And what were your original, you know, your first thoughts on his first NFL action? I don't think there's a immediate pressure on him, obviously, having some some time there to season behind Tannehill, but what were your thoughts on his first play in the preseason? You know, I saw a chart today somebody made uh, where they charted uh, quarterbacks by time to throw, and Malik Willis was almost literally off the charts. Like, the, every other quarterback who played was on the left-hand side of the chart, and Malik Willis was way on his own over on the right. So that usually the guys, you know, that, that frankly it's the classic Russell Wilson mold, although even more extreme in his, you know, one half of preseason action. But quarterbacks who hold the ball that long, it usually leads to tons and tons of sacks, um, which often leads to injuries. Um, so he's going to have to learn, as great an athlete as he is, the athletes in the NFL are also great, and it's very hard to uh, it's very hard to succeed with that kind of play style. You know, Russell Wilson is pretty much the only guy who's pulled that off in the past decade or so. Um, so it's, it's not a recipe for long-term success, but it's, at the same time, you don't want to take away um, his athletic talents, his attributes, what he can do to, to threaten a defense, a scary defense. And, and, and like you say, he's not going to be starting this year. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a moot point for right now, but that's, that's something in his game he'll have to fix if he's going to start in 2023 or 2024. 
already some rumblings in New York about Daniel Jones and, and his long-term future with the Giants or even just his future this season being their starting quarterback. Uh, he's had some moments in his career, but it's obvious that the consistency hasn't been there. And um, for, for a high draft pick, they, there obviously hasn't been the success that's followed for the team. Uh, if you were in the Giants position, what would you do with Daniel Jones? Well, I'm not in the Giants position, but I couldn't help but notice this morning when uh, Brian Dable announced Tyrod Taylor was going to get some first-team snaps mm-hmm. with the Giants offense, which is a red flag. <laughs> very very bright, uh, uh, brightly colored red flag waving through the sky that they're not very happy with what Daniel Jones is doing. And, of course, Daniel Jones is not Brian Dable's guy. Um, he's, he was the incumbent who was there when, when Dable arrived. And the Giants have a huge mess to clean up. Um, Dave Gullivan left this franchise in shambles, and they could not fix everything in one year. And they were not in a position to, to uh, upgrade a quarterback this year, so um, they stuck with Jones, unless you consider Tyrod Taylor an upgrade, and he might be. Um, so this is the team that I think is probably going to end up picking the first in the draft, um, and we'll see what they do with next year. I, I, I think I was not confident in Jones. When they picked him, I've seen very little since then to convince me that they made that they were right and I was wrong. Um, like I, I, I hate to sound this harsh, but I think he's a lost cause at this point. Another team that I'm watching this year is uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Last year was an absolute mess with Urban Meyer and all of that, but Trevor Lawrence specifically. Uh, what do you expect to see from him? Because you know it was it was a messy situation in Jacksonville all around, and especially for the young quarterback who. Who had we we saw some growing pains, but what do you expect to see from him this year? Yeah, you're right. Jacksonville was a total mess. I don't think people uh, quite understand just how horrible a coach Urban Meyer was. Um, I, I thought it was going to go poorly. It, it went much much worse than than uh, I was expecting. Uh, he seemed unprepared. He seemed disinterested. He didn't seem to care about anything. And then the roster Lawrence had to work with. Uh, a lot of these receivers, you know, La- Laquan Treadwell is going to wash that everywhere. Jamal Agnew is a kick returner. Tavon Austin's an old kick returner. So he didn't even really have, ex- except for uh, uh, Marvin Jones, he really didn't have NFL caliber wide receivers to throw to, which I think I- I goes a long way in explaining his struggles. Um, this is a guy who was the consensus number one pick just you know one year ago at this time, and everyone thought it was the right thing to do. He was you know the the, the, the highest ranked prospect since, since Andrew Luck. Um, I'm certainly not ready to throw in the towel after one year on him. I, I, I expect uh, great improvement. And in a weak division with Indianapolis, Tennessee, and Houston, I don't think playoff contention is off the table for Jacksonville this year. Another young quarterback that, that seemed to be going into a season where uh, people wanted to see some improvement, people wanted to see some consistencies is, is Zach Wilson. And then uh, an injury seems like could be two weeks, could be four weeks, uh, based on some of the rumblings that I've seen out there on social media. It could be more than that. We're, we're still in a point where we're trying to figure out exactly how long he might miss. Um, it's not like anybody's expecting the Jets to uh, be contenders either, but what do you think that uh, this year – could still mean to a guy like Zach Wilson? It's a chance, if he can return and play healthy, it's a chance to uh, uh, get more experience. It's a chance to, to uh, you know, his talent, the talent around him wasn't great last year either. Uh, you know, so, so, you know, Braxton Berrios and, and Corey Davis were, were uh, you know, not the best options you could have. So um, it's a chance to get better. It, 
it's funny when you look at the the other Jets quarterbacks. He was outplayed by Josh Johnson. He was outplayed by Joe Flacco. He was outplayed by Mike White, who I promise you was actually an NFL quarterback, and not just two names I picked out of a hat. <laughs> um, so that's that. These are not good signs. He's got a long way to go, and he needs all the reps he can get. He needs all the experience he can get. He needs all the practice he can get. He needs all the snaps he can get. And this injury, even though it's good news, it sounds like he's not going to be out more than a month or so. Um, you know, the, 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 every every chance he gets to get in the field is important, and having that time taken away from him is, is not a good sign. Yeah, as we were talking here as well, it's not a surprise to really anybody, but uh, Joe Flacco is being uh, announced or at least reported as a starter for week one for the Jets. So Joe Flacco is back, baby, and uh, let's see what he can do this time around. Uh, Vincent, thank you very much for joining us, and I uh, appreciate you making the time for us. Thank you, folks. Always, always good to talk to you. There he is, Thanks, Vincent Verhey of Football Outsiders and host of the Figure Four Weekly Podcast. Love it. Um, Zach Wilson. Uh, it was going to be a pretty interesting year to begin with, even if he didn't get injured. There's thoughts of Joe Flacco being there, might play better than him. Now it's kind of confirmed. But I still wonder what the coach, Robert Sally, actually thinks about Zach Wilson. I feel like, you know, hanging on to the ball. Does he get himself into trouble? It's still going to be an issue there, even whenever he gets back. So when you're kind of looking in New York right now, you mentioned Daniel Jones in yep. that question. Both of those teams are saying, all right, what do we have here, and do we want this? And it feels like the Giants are pretty clear in their decision. Tyrod Taylor getting first-team reps ahead of Daniel Jones, and we could all see that one coming from a mile away. But the Zach Wilson one is also really interesting because, at least with Tyrod, you know, you kind of know what your floor is. Yeah. Joe Flacco is, you know, he's, <laughs> he's not elite he's, anymore. I'm not going to say it, but he's going to wash. <laughs> he's not elite yeah. anymore. He's not elite. Really interesting on both sides of those things. Yeah, for sure, and that's uh, that's gonna be a tough market, right, oh, Randy? The New York market, brutal, man, brutal. When you're a young quarterback um, and you don't put it together, it's uh, it's gonna be tough. And look, the the rosters, as as Vincent said, especially with the Jets, I think the rosters around those guys has been difficult. Uh, they don't have the the most talented groups around them to to elevate their games. You got to show something, and it was. Gearing up, and there's a lot of talk about Zach Wilson in the offseason about a guy that could potentially at least show the upside. No, there was, was a lot expecting. about there was a lot of news about him in the offseason. Yes, there, yeah. there was you know other chatter as well for sure. But that was kind of okay. If this is gonna if you're gonna be in that market, and you're yep. gonna have these kind of tabloidy type stories about you. You know the best. You know what Derek Jeter did all the time in that market when stopped tabloid? delivered on the he, field. He played yeah. very well, and the story moves on and. It, it did seem, I, from what I was reading, there were people that were high on, on Wilson and thinking, look, this guy still has the talent that made him a high pick and the reason that the Jets bet on him. But, look, the, the, these we, we've seen uh, with some of these teams that have struggled to find a quarterback, it can be very, very difficult. Well, the good news for Wilson is that Joe Flacco is his competition. <laughs> yes. The bad news is if you can't outplay Joe Flacco when he gets back. That's, and that's, eventually, not, ba- that's not better. Yeah, so you've got to be extremely careful. All right, where are you at with uh, your team? I know you're a Seahawks yep. man. You're a Seahawks guy. You team Geno or you team Drew Locke? Oh, man. And I want to know how many members of team Drew Locke there are because <laughs> there can't be many. <laughs> I, would, I, I can see the argument for, for Drew Locke, but uh, I just don't think it's real. I, I haven't entertained it because I know what we're dealing with. We're dealing with Pete Carroll. You said it earlier, Randeep, risk-averse, conservative, uh, has his very strong belief systems about how the game should be played. And, look, we saw a small sample of Geno Smith last year when Russell Wilson was injured. He had some moments where he was pretty solid, 
Um, he obviously was not punching the ball and they were not scoring a lot of points. For the most part, took care of the ball. And if there are some improvements with the defense, if there are some improvements with the offensive line, might be in a position where they're at least competitive. I'm not expecting them to win any more than five or six games. But if they're competitive in the, the tougher games, if they're competitive against a, like a, a team like Tampa, yep. or if they're competitive against the 49ers in their division, I mean, look at the division games for a long time, um, the Seahawks were you know, ha- ran roughshod over the 49ers. Yeah, they were dominating, even though the, the Niners had a good team yep. back then. Yeah, and they, yes, have struggled with um, the Rams, and the Rams are now top of the NFL, Super Bowl champions. And the last couple of years, the Cardinals have been problematic for them. They can make strides in the division if they can be a little bit more competitive. Then you're looking at 2023 as, okay, Yes, there will still be questions about the quarterback, but you're trying to build the system in the way that Pete Carroll and John Schneider did early in their tenure, mm-hmm. where it was, you know, we they gave Matt Flynn a bunch of money. We're going to try to figure out what the quarterback is. We're going to build our defense. We're going to we're going to try to build a strong offensive line, drafting Russell Okun really high, that kind of thing. So, I would say two months ago, maybe even three weeks ago, if you'd asked me that question, I would have been down i would have said i'm not really fired up for this season yeah and i for the last 10 years with russell wilson i've looked forward to every sunday or monday or thursday but every seahawks game day was you know i know what i'm doing for the next three hours i'm locked into these games as you know <laughs> those yep. games have always been crazy yeah there's they, they've mostly come down to the wire even when they've been good i'm not expecting a bunch of results this year but i am i'm hopeful that there's going to be some competitiveness there because i do believe this is, you know, shouts to Bick because normally he's the one on the show talking about the Seahawks culture and what Pete Carroll's trying to do. I do believe in a lot of that message in the foundation that he's trying to create. I think this is a big year for Carroll as well, though, because last year, and you're a part of that fan base, but you're also part of the media that, that covers and pays attention to it, is that there were questions being asked of that leadership yes. group. There's questions of, hey, does the culture still work? So even though you might believe in it, I think in that market, there were still questions of, is he still the right guy? There were, but a lot of that had to do with the Russell Wilson situation. For sure. And how he, how, uh, and there were he was perceiving head. it. Yep. Yes, and, and what kind of detrimental impact might he be having? And you can go back to when the team was good and um, Seth Wickersham's big ESPN story about you know, the split in the Seahawks going back to the Super Bowl against the Patriots and the defense, and that that was a defense filled with guys who are at least a couple of them are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. This is a different group. It's a younger group, but you're, you're kind of going back to the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. So tough start for them. They've got the Broncos in week one, which is going to be unbelievable. And then you've got the Niners after that, which that's a, that's a pretty you know tough start, man. That's a tough start to the season. Gets easier after that. you got the Falcons. you got the Lions. So you kind of work your way maybe back to if they can shock up one of those teams, so the 49ers or the, the Broncos, then you never know what can happen. We had somebody – the don't at me winner yesterday saying they're going to start off 4-0. I'm not going that crazy. <laughs> I think 500 is the best you can probably ha- ask for there. Or maybe even a 3-1 three, three and one is probably the best you can ask for. But we'll see what happens. Number 61 for Russell Wilson on the NFL 100. Yep. And we just talked to Vincent Verhey, who doesn't put much stock into that, that list because players hold grudges players yeah and fair enough. Play- everyone gonna have your own evaluation but that into unto itself is really interesting it though, is because you know for a guy that's won a super bowl maybe that defense was that defense was the power behind that team mm-hmm. 
But still, a guy that's won a Super Bowl, a guy that's been consistently in the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. Easy to say that. Yeah. Right? No argument, for sure. In MVP conversations in certain years. Is his corniness the reason that people don't like him? Like, flat out. Probably. Like, if you're a player. There's probably, for players, there's the size. Yeah. That that you hear um, at the Athletic, we ran a quarterback tiers and there's th- these weren't from players these were from executive types but just there are throws he can't make he, he he has an incredible deep ball he's able to make a lot of sideline throws but there are certain throws that you're not comfortable with him making because of that height and even though he's played at a really high level for 10 years people still have those concerns and with the players i assume that they share those and then there is definitely to vincent point about vendettas yep there is definitely this guy is corny let's ride all the way down from 12 to 61. Don't hate on his hairstyle, people. We wish we had hair like that, man. Oh, Come on, man. Now. Come on. Now. I actually, I, I respect the I, I respect the Bruno Mars cut. So I, I respect the hair, but I've been calling him corny for years. Oh, now it's great to is. see Seahawks fans yes. to actually grab But this it. is the thing, and I've been saying this since he burst on the scene. The corniness, the persona, it's not for me. But on the field, the team had never had a player that was that dynamic, especially True. on offense. You could look at you know, someone like Earl Thomas on defense and be, wow, this guy makes plays. Yep. He's all over the ball. He's making tackles as, a, as the, the high safety. And he's, he's, he's the high safety, and somehow he's always the first guy yep. on the tacklers. With, that was the thing with Russell Wilson. You'd sit there, and you'd go through the let's go Hawks. And, okay, you know, at, at the beginning it was sort of like it's kind of endearing, and then you realize it maybe not. But on the field every week, so exciting, even in the bad moments. And to be honest, there weren't that many bad moments. There were some high-profile bad moments. Yeah. But overall, it was they're in games. They're winning a lot of games. He is such an exciting player. And that is, I do think, he's older now. The legs are nev- not going to be there like they were at the beginning of his career when he was that kind of exciting player. You could get yourself out of trouble before. Too. And you know, one of the things that I really liked about Russ early on, especially in, during his prime, and some may argue he's still in his prime, but no, he's not is that you had an element of, you know, you had a player that was really, really super athletic, but his decision-making early on in his career was really good, too. He wasn't taking those unnecessary chances, even though he might be hanging on to the ball at certain points. Yes. Whereas now you're starting to see that, and you're seeing the decision-making have flaws in it, too, because you're taking a chance that you'd never see Russ take that chance. So, for sure, I think there's that element of, okay, you expect a drop-off in a player where to say physically they're not the same player, but you're seeing... a few more mistakes. Some of them yep. can be chalked up to, hey, the O-line wasn't good in certain years. But other ones were, okay, this is this is not like the Russ we know. Yeah, and we saw it last year and we saw it the year before. They played the Bills, and this is the Bills on the come up, and they've got this defense, and Josh Allen is coming into his own, and they had a game against them where he kind of lost it. And he was, you know, we were talking about New York Jets quarterbacks, Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like for yeah. the, like, the next like three or four weeks that – he was making throws or making decisions that ordinarily he wouldn't make, and he was he was missing throws. He was making the wrong throws, and he he picked it up and he put it together for the end of the season. So we might not look at that 2020 season as being like, hey, you know, he, he's the same guy. But that was the year where he started on fire, and it was let Russ cook. Yep. And he had a middle of the season where it was off in last year, and yes, there's the injury that might play into that, and. To his credit, for all of the stuff that we've now talked about and heard about how he was unhappy in Seattle, it didn't affect his play, or at least I don't think it did. There were other reasons that you could point to for any decline, which is why everyone's looking at the Broncos. How is this going to look, and how is he going to play? All right, number 61 on that list, 
in my opinion, is straight disrespect, though. He's not 61st best no. player. I, I still think he's – got to go, like, 35, top 35. Yeah, I yeah, think he on. was 12 last year, so I can see a drop-off from 12. You're not going to put him in that space, but – yeah, yeah the slander is real from NFL it players. Is. It is the people show live from the Audlin Brown Van Open, and we're giving you a chance to win concert tickets. The stadium tour giveaway giving you a chance to win tickets to the concert at BC Place on Friday, September 2nd with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, Joan Jett, and the Black Hearts. Third caller in right now gets those tickets, 604-280-0650. We are broadcasting live from the Van Open, the Audlin Brown Van Open, and we're going to be Joined by former champion and tournament director of the Van Open, Rick DeVost is going to be joining us next on The People Show right here on Sportsnet 650.